All right, here we go. I have no idea what time it is. Sweet. We got, we're good. We just don't have a clock in here. In Jesus' name, we don't need it. Some of you are like, no, we should, Pastor. You need a clock. <laughs> all, the, all the very type A organized and scheduled people today, man. I'm, I am that way. All right, here's the deal. We are in this series, Glory Revealed, and I have been just so uh, blown away uh, by uh, the, the, the messages that have been shared. Uh, obviously, Brandon the first week and Will last week did such a fantastic job at uh, really helping us to discover uh, and, and see the glory of the Lord in us and, and I believe through us. And today is going to be no different. Uh, one more Sunday that I have given away to start the year off, and I'm really, really excited uh, for what God will do this morning through the, the, the couple individuals who are going to come up and share what the Lord has put on their heart. Let me, um, let me read to you our, our series text. Uh, we can actually just, you just follow along with me on the screen and we can kind of read it together. And then I'm going to read to you today's text specifically to help set these guys up so that their you know, time that they've been given isn't cut short by having to read the, the verse over to you. So let me read to you our series text. It's simply this, Arise, shine. For your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Verse 2 says, See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. And so this series is, is called Glory Revealed, and our prayer and hope is that as we're in this this series, this season, which is Epiphany, that, that not only would you, would you see His glory in your life, but you also see where God is beginning to reveal His glory through your life. Through your life. And if you're here this morning and, and you're not exactly sure what any of that means, then I would just encourage you to just give yourself permission to be open. Here's how you do that. Lord, I'm open. That's it. I'm open. I'm here and I'm open. And whatever you have for me today, I'm ready to receive it. I'm ready to hear it, and I'm ready to experience it. I'm ready to encounter it. And so this week, we're going to have a little tag team preach. And, uh, I, and they had this passive scripture, which was awesome, because when, I, when we set this up, Amy and I set up this, this, this calendar for the year. I want, once I, I set it and then I established the weeks, Brandon was going to be, you know, the first week and then Will's going to be the second week and we're going to do this tag team this week. I went back and I read the text that, I, uh, that was assigned to them and, uh, and I'm going to read it to you and I'm going to tell you what I told them. It's, uh, today's text comes from Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 1 and verse 21. Mark chapter 1 and verse 21. It says this, that they went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, what do you want with us? He says, Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God, the Spirit says. In verse 25, Jesus says, be quiet. Come out of him. In verse 26, the evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching? And with authority? He even gives orders to the evil spirits and they obey him? In verse 28, news about him spread 
quickly. Some translations might say good news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. If you've never preached before, you might read that and go, thanks for the setup, Pastor. To which I said to him, listen, I I don't want you to get lost in a theological conversation or expository on a demonic spirit. What I want you to do is I want you to read this story and I want you to go sit with it. And I want you to ask the Lord to reveal his glory to you in it. And I have to be honest with you, I'm so amazed that when you give somebody the opportunity to step into a season where they're discovering a gift that maybe they didn't know they had, maybe they knew they had it, but they didn't know if they'd ever have an opportunity to step into it, how the Lord could speak to them so uniquely, so differently, and so tangibly. I am really, really humbled and honored to be a part of your story, to play a small part in helping you discover God's purpose for your life. And today will be no different as I get to to sit and listen to Renee Barber and John Walker come this morning and share what the Lord has put on their heart. So will you start by helping me welcome Renee as she comes and shares with us what the Lord spoke to her through this story. I don't know how you do that. I originally had an initial, I'd written a couple initial things down and how I was going to open. And then Aaron gets up and he starts talking. And the thing that came to me in the moment we were sitting there was, I have in my office this large poster of the man in the arena. And it's all, and I keep it in my office to remind me. That's the kind of job that I want to have. And the whole premise is around the idea, it's easy to sit in the cheap seats and poke fingers and tell people who should have done something different, who should have done something better, versus being the person in the arena. And that is tougher, and you're going to fail, and you're going to be marred, and you're going to be scarred. But there is more reward in being in the arena. And it dawned on me now that as much as I wanted to say, why won't Aaron just let me be in charge of the coffee? Just let me do the cafe part and bring the like emergency whipped cream when necessary. (laughs) What he just did was he invited John and I to get out of the boat. That's what came to me. Okay, so now I have a whole different beginning. Um, So good morning, I am excited, I am humbled, I am honored. Um, And I took a different approach because Aaron is right. When I first looked at the scripture, I thought Amy sent me the wrong one. And I'm looking, I'm like, this isn't speaking to me. I'm like, I don't know anything about demons. I don't know anything about evil spirits. And whatever's in my past is in my past. And we're not talking about it. And I'm like, if you've already gotten away with it, why am I going to talk about this now? And what I did, I thought initially, Pastor Aaron and Pastor Katie always do the, let's give you the context. You got to understand the context of this scripture. And I went back and I looked at the scriptures before it. And aha, that spoke to me. And Elise will understand. It was all about getting prepared. And it was what the Lord did and what he required Jesus to do to get prepared. So in the scripture, you know, it's all about the the great works. And we start talking about 
he's healing and he's casting out demons and he's doing these great works. And you recognize and have to pay attention to what was done to get prepared. And I think about everyone in here. We have unique skills and abilities and gifts and things that the Lord has given us. And he's doing it because he wants to be able to use us and show these are his children, these are his people. Boys, you all have something unique and special and wonderful about you beyond just being very handsome young men. And, but the idea is one has to get prepared. And so there are three things that he does, and everything in my world happens in threes. I think it happens in work, and I'm just bringing it to church. And so there are three things that the Lord does to prepare before Jesus actually starts doing these great works. So the very first thing is he's got John the Baptist that comes before him. And he's kind of laying the the groundwork, so to speak, to say, someone else is coming. I'm doing this, but someone else is coming. And what I love is the way he does it, and even in the scripture, we can put it up. And he says, here comes one, there comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And what I love is, one, John the Baptist is the opening act. He is laying the groundwork to say, if you think what I'm doing is wonderful, wait. There is one coming that will do even greater, farther, more than we ever can imagine. What I'm doing is nothing. Something else is coming. And we talk about it at work in the sense that you need to have a sponsor, someone who's talking about you when you're not in the room that lays that groundwork. That is exactly what he did. And I laugh thinking about our our children in the sense that I know they all think that we were just born grown, that we came into the world like 30s, 40s, 50s. We've never experienced what they're going through, and it's all kind of new. But we've been there, done that. And part of our role is to lay that groundwork to set the path so they can be successful, so those talents and those strengths can be used and pulled out. I am amazed at some of the things that I see and I hear, and so it becomes our responsibility to lay that groundwork and that path. The second thing that he had to do to get prepared is Jesus laid out his intentions. He came and he talked about what he was going to do. And Will did a wonderful job last Sunday, and he set it up, and I almost got nervous going, okay, if he keeps going, he's going to use my message, and now i got to come up with a new message. But he talked about it in a way that basically said when Jesus came, he, his intention is, came in the way of an invitation, an invitation to repent. And repentance really means change your mind. When you translate, it just means to change your mind. So, you know, from living in the world to living with the, with the word, being, in part, being with God instead of just being with people, he was coming and bringing this invitation. And it's fitting that we're doing this in January when everyone has new goals and new plans for the year. And what we're basically saying is don't keep it to yourself. The first thing you do is tell other people what you intend to do this year. The third thing that he did is... <clears throat> Jesus called for reinforcements, and that's kind of how I think of it. He could see there was going to be a lot of work, and he couldn't do this alone. Even though he's fully God, fully man, he couldn't do this alone. 
he needed his boys around him. And so he goes out, and the first ones that he gets are Simon, Andrew, James, and John. We don't do this work alone. We need to have our folks around us. And I'm amazed when I think about, and I, I always kind of talk about, like, my purpose family, these are my people. But every Monday, I also have our disciple group with my ladies. And I know whatever problem we have, there must be a little miracle sprinkled in our salad or soup or whatever we eat. Because by the time we get through our hour, hour and a half, sometimes it's two hours, depending upon what we've got, there, you've got some sort of idea, a solution, some encouragement, something that's going to happen. And I know over the course of the week, Amy's going to send me a text and go, okay, how's it going? Elion's going to send us some cute gift that like is a little message and a scripture and something that, you know, looks pretty. And I know that Kate, and I'm, I'm wearing my red, I said, this is, I'm, I'm channeling my Kate. She's going to come, and if, if she gets a word, if she gets a message, something comes to her when she's driving, she's going to stop and tell you, I got a word for you. And, you know, so I know I have the people in my corner. You know, boys, you've got your crew. Now, you talk badly about each other, but that's your crew and you support each other. I'm always amazed. I'm like, but, but that's, their, that's their crew. And we need the people around us even to do the things that we've been called to do. We're not called to do it alone. And then, and only then, does Jesus start doing these great works. So it made me think, one, if the Lord knew preparation is needed for Jesus to be able to do what he was going to call him to do, why we think we don't need to get prepared. I love passionate energy like anybody else. But the idea of that being enough to carry you isn't going to work because passion and energy fails and it fades and the excitement of the newness of whatever it is that you feel that you've been called to do wears when it starts to get tough. And so there's a couple of different places I started doing, you you keep doing homework. So you start with this and you kind of keep building on your homework to figure it out. Um, And there are other places in the Bible I'm just going to call out too where the Lord shows there's preparation before a big act. So the first one that I'll call to you is the idea that the Lord went and talked to Noah Mm. before there was ever a drop of rain. And if you put the scripture up for me, my dear London, Genesis 6, 13 and 14. So God says to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. And what I thought was interesting, and he gave him then after that 100, 120, I looked it up, once at 100, once at 120, so we're going to go with the averages, to do this. So that's a long time to get prepared. Yeah, wow. He spoke to them and then gave him time. He was very clear what was going to happen. We knew what the end was going to be, but he gave him time to prepare. Now, I'll give you a second example, slightly different time frame. 
Before the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, the Lord made preparations and sent angels to Lot. Come on. And in Genesis 19, 15 and 16, he says, with the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot saying, hurry, take your wife, your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away when the city is punished. What I think is interesting, first of all, is Lot originally went to his daughters and their husbands. The husbands thought he was joking. And when it came down, the husbands got left. So I'm like, when your wife says you're ready to go, you got to be ready to go. <laughs> she will leave you. And that's what I said. And they left. <laughs> and so even when they move slow, and, and, and Lot and his daughters and his family, they're moving slow, the angels come along, they're like, you're not moving quick enough. And take their hands yeah. and lead them out to get them out of the city. And in that scenario, did he have a lot of time to prepare? No. You have just enough time to get your stuff. And he didn't say, can we do this next week? You know, all I have are my clothes. I haven't picked up my toiletries. I don't know what shoes I'm going to take. It was, we've got to go. So sometimes, yes, we may get years to prepare. Boys, you got 12 years of, of school before you go off to college. That's a long time to get prepared. Right. In some cases, we don't get much time. Sometimes you get a call, you get an email that's asking you to stand up, and you don't have a lot of time to prepare, and you just have to say yes. Come on, very good. Um, so there's an acronym and a saying that I, I hadn't actually heard, or maybe I heard it, I wasn't paying attention. So there is this idea of ABR. And I've heard it as always be ready. I heard Brandon use it as always Brandon ready. (laughs) And when I thought about it, what I would challenge you all is, one, check your heart. What has the Lord put on your heart to do this year? Mm. How has he spoke to you about how you can serve, how you can connect, what you are supposed to do? And with that, then I will ask you, Are you prepared? Would you be prepared when God calls you to do something great? Thank you. Man. I wonder if I can go to the mountains next week. Good. That's just good. It's just... Uh, what an what a incredible message. I just want to let that sit for a second uh, in the spirit of the season that we're in. Are you prepared? Are you prepared to share what God is doing in your life? Maybe for some of us this morning, are we prepared for God to actually do something in our life? Uh, the next uh, individual who's going to come and share with us this morning is um, no stranger, obviously, to our community, but uh, would prefer that he is behind the scenes in just about everything he does. Um, and so I know uh, his heart and I know what God's called him to do, but this is uh, not an accident, nor uh, do I believe that we will not leave here marked by what he shares with us this morning. Uh, would you just help me welcome uh, John Walker to share? So rising to the 
challenge of Mark chapter 1, um, there was a, uh, I guess my first slide was a man possessed, encountered with God, and is set free. So I read that the first time and had that panic attack. How in the world does this relate to me? And I sat on it for a while. And I'll conclude and tell you or challenge you with that's exactly my story. Now, I'm going to take a little bit of liberty with the possessed part. And so if I ask you to, to consider those as three questions uh, or three things to believe or not, let's say, um, that one might be pretty easy. And then the last one, hopefully, is going to be pretty easy. It's the middle one I want to challenge you about. So I'm going to put you guys on the spot for a minute. And I was thinking about the setting and it's, you know, lights, camera almost, um, sound system. So consider this, let's say, a courtroom. You guys are the jury. So I'm going to ask you to make a decision in about 10 minutes. Maybe easy, maybe hard. And basically it's, do you believe me? Because I'm going to tell you, about being possessed, about encountering God, being set free. So, keep that in the back of your mind. And I have a role, and that role is to kind of lay out the dots of evidence. Two roles. That's the first one. Second one is I'm going to take on the role of the lawyer. Okay? And I'm going to try and connect the dots. And I'm going to give you a, a, a closing argument that, in my opinion, is like the best one you're ever going to hear in your life. <laughs> so... So, uh, with that challenge before both of us, I better get started, because I can't wait for you to hear it. My first wife and I had two children, Brian, my son, my daughter, Lee, and you'll hear me call her Lee Lee, and just interchangeably, just so you'll know if I slip into that and don't even know it. Um, Lee Lee was 23 years old in 2006, and she was a senior in college at Valdosta State University. One Sunday, late February of that year, she attended several events with all her buddies. There was, a, I think, a preseason baseball game, and then a, a dinner somewhere, and then a party, and then the group split, and there was more party. And at each event, there was alcohol. And then either late that night or early that morning, she decided to drive home and didn't make it. So um, the next morning, uh, my wife and I uh, were notified by Gwinnett Pound and PD what happened. And just to give you a quick rundown of that week um, with the purpose, um, we drove to um, Georgia Southern where my son was attending college. My wife felt it was important to give him that news in person so he could see us. Uh, we then drove to Valdosta to see Lee because she felt it was important for all of us to see her. Then we made arrangements, um, rented a U-Haul truck, gathered her belongings, brought them home, made arrangements for her to be brought from Valdosta to Lawrenceville, um, picked out a casket, wrote an obituary, arranged a viewing for that Friday night, a service for that Saturday morning, and then we transported her to Hendersonville, North Carolina, um, near where some of her mom's family lives, where she was buried. So I didn't I hate to inflict that week on people, but it's for a purpose, which you'll see in a minute. Um, which brings me to 
my possession by depression. Okay, that's my liberty I'm gonna take. Uh, and I'll just give you two examples to kind of get the point across. Um, as that following two years unfolded, I, would, uh, um, I found that as I woke each morning, there's like, and of course it's true now too, but there's like this five second period where you're not really asleep, but you're not really awake yet. And I found, and maybe just because she was on my mind, that I often thought of my daughter. But I thought I would think of my daughter in terms of, do I need to do an oil change in her car? And then, oh, wait a minute. I don't need to do that. The next day it might be, uh, is she coming home this weekend or not? Oh, wait a minute. She, she's not. The next day it'd be something different. You know, do I need to call her? I need to check on her. Oh, wait a minute. I can't. So in that time from realizing, thinking about that, realizing that I can't, basically I'd relive that week in a span of a few seconds. Second event that I'll touch on was months later, Christmas time of that year, 2008. Um, Mall of Georgia, shopping for Christmas, go to get a Starbucks, packed, standing in line, just waiting to order, okay, by myself. And, you know, kids everywhere, adults everywhere, you know, sort of a level of conversation going on. But then above it, there was a voice, and it was a young lady's voice, and it could have been the perfect imitation of Lee. Tone, inflection, everything. And she just said one word, Dad! Of course, what do you do? Fully expecting to see her right there. So in the time I kind of turned back around, and I got to relive that week again. So you get the idea. My encounter with God. So during those two years, it wasn't all terrible. There were events that I could share, take too much time, but basically I was given a glimmer of hope, that seed of hope by somebody else. And I thought the, so, the hope was maybe she made it to heaven because I wasn't sure at the time. So with that seed, I just, I said, well, if she made it, I got to make it. So I kind of cleared my head, took a fresh, clean slate approach, said, okay, don't just rely on old movies you saw when you were a kid about what God was all about. So I got to go to a church. So that began a journey with C3 Church. It was a New Year's resolution. I actually kept that January, went to church. Volunteered in the kids' department, kept going, and come Easter 2008, you know, expecting a big crowd, needed a little extra help. I show up. I'm not a leader or anything. I'm just standing there waiting for somebody to tell me what to do. And I'm in the class with all the first grade and second grade kids. I don't know, 20, 30 kids. And it really hadn't gotten started. So I, you know, I was getting a little antsy. The kids were getting a little antsy. And all the boys had gone over, collected on one side of the room. And all the girls had gone over and collected on the other side of the room, you know. <laughs> Nobody's seen that before, right? So I thought, I gotta do something. I get down on one knee, I make eye contact with somebody and you know, one of the kids and I said, all right, you think you can take me, bring it on. So we start wrestling, pin him down, no problem. You know, he gets up, he runs around, tries it again, no problem. Jumps on my back and I flip him over, pin him, no problem. Well, then there was a second one. Yeah, okay, <laughs> two I can handle, boom, you know. Then there were three. 
Then there was the whole class. <laughs> and I know it was the whole class because they bum-rushed me from behind, flat on the <laughs> ground. <laughs> I'm laying there, I barely got my head where I can breathe. I cannot move an arm. I cannot move a leg. All I hear is kids laughing. I can't see them. And all I could think of was, kids win, kids win. <laughs> and thank God they got off me. Then we do it again. And it was, I don't know, 10 minutes maybe. And the, the lesson started. I couldn't tell you what the lesson was that day. I don't remember, but I remember that. So I'm driving home from that day. Pull up to a red light. I'm by myself. My wife and I were separated by then. And I get the red light, and I, and I won't try to recreate it here because I don't want to embarrass myself. I had the goofiest-looking grin you ever saw in your life on me. Sitting there at a red light by myself. And it's kind of go. <laughs> Did anybody see me? Did anybody pull up in a car next to you, right? Uh, thank God, no. Light turns green. I take off, and I go, wait a minute. I haven't smiled like that in two years. What just happened? Okay, something happened. So, that was my encounter in God, with God. All right? Now, uh, thank you. Thank you very much. I'll take that. But I put myself, as I was preparing this, maybe in some of you shoes that don't know me, and like, but I'm not convinced. Okay. Sitting there and listening to all this, you know. You had fun playing with some kids. Where was God in that? I'm not convinced. So Tuesday this week, I'm doing a lot of things, trying to condense this down, try to make a time limit, which I'm probably going to blow through pretty quickly. And then um, how do I convince someone who doesn't know me that I encounter God? And I'm, glad, I'm sitting in my office, and I'm looking around, and I'll tell them when to put a picture up. I'll look at a picture. And for me, it's just a flood. It's instant. That's it. That's the key. But I need to tell you about it first. And keep in mind, you know, what's, why was that experience the one it was for me? It may not have been for anybody else. So here it is, my closing argument. Come on in, whoever you are. Join the party. Um... Not sure what that means, but hopefully it's good. <laughs> so here it is, my picture that was instantaneously my closing case to me. Now for you, maybe I'm making a good point and somebody's mad. Okay? For you, I need to fill out the picture a little bit. This is 40 years ago, roughly. Lee was two, three years old. And it wasn't the first time I'd done this. This is the 500th time. I have pictures of her when she was like one year old. You know, it's the kind of thing you discover when you're a new parent. What do you got to do to make a kid laugh? See them laugh. You live for that, right? I have pictures of her when she's a couple years older, to the point where it was finally she was too big where I was afraid I was going to drop her. And when, as soon as you get in your mind, you might drop her. You know you're going to drop her, so you stop. So I had several years, of, hundreds of times of that happening. Um, as a matter of fact, she and I talked about it when she was like about 19. And, oh, let's try to recreate it. 
we tried, and I was like, I don't know. But what we did, which I did pull off, was I pressed her up, because she, she was a competition cheerleader. She, was, she had all the moves, you know, and all I had to do was just try and you know, get her up in the air. And uh, somewhere there's a picture of that. I, somebody took it, you know, young people, this was before camera phones, so it's probably on a box camera or something, and I never got a copy, but I've got it up here, so. Um, so, here's where I was gonna, knew I was going to struggle to remember, so I've got to read something, so bear with me. It's my closing argument. All right, you ready, jury? My closing argument is only God knew the key to unlocking my grief. Only he was with me for every event you see that I've talked about, from 40 years ago to 20 years ago to right now. He was there as I walked through my two years of grief. Reliving her death. He was there as I walked into the kids' room that day in Easter. I kind of have this picture of maybe him, you know, I want to cover all the bases, right? Him, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the three of them, you know. And I walk into the door and they're like, oh, you're here, finally. Now let us, let us show you what we can do, right? He gave me a way to recover something that was impossible for me to recover on my own. One by one, he pulled out each of those experiences of those two years, threw them away. But he didn't just leave an empty hole. He filled it in with the laughter of kids and the joy that I lived seeing that picture. I hadn't even noticed that part of it. I had just noticed the picture. I've had that picture on my wall in my office. It just makes me feel good every walk by. I didn't know why. Now I know why better. I had not made that connection until Tuesday of this week. So, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I rest my case. Decision time, not as a group, not out loud, but just maybe for you in here, right? Did I convince you that I, that I encountered God? All right. I'm going to talk about you guys just a, a little bit more and maybe give you a challenge. And the challenge is something that uh, came after Pastor Aaron kind of challenged us to come up with one thing that you could take away. So I'm going to try and give you one thing. Write down, remember, hopefully carry with you from my little time up here. And the one thing is two words. Keep turning. Now, why that? Well, when I think of turning in God, I think of the story of the prodigal son, right? And what I've always pictured is father's over here. He's gives up his legacy, goes out on his own, and he's walking straight away. And he's walking and he's walking, and things happen, and all, you know, we all know the story. If you haven't heard it, somebody will tell you. And finally, he's decided he's going to turn back towards his father, and he does a full 180, you know, military, you know what I mean, right? About face. So that's 180 degrees. For me, and I'm going to read a little bit again, when I think about that Easter and work backwards, I see a number of turns, a number of points where 
I did a little turn, maybe not 180 degrees, but one or two degrees. So I could rattle them off, real, I'll try to do it real quick. So I decided to go to church, accepted an invitation. Each one of these a little turn, right? And then I actually went, and then I actually came back. And then I actually accepted an invitation to go to a men's event where there was a, a leader who said, hey, we need some help in kids. So I took another turn by accepting that. And then I kept coming. And then I accepted the invitation to show up on Easter. So, on that Easter Sunday, I encountered God in the form of about 25 first and second year old kids, laughing, having fun. They were just being themselves. God was there. God was with them. God was using them. They were transporting me back in time. I still marvel at it all. It's kind of like a movie no one could dream up, a book no one could write. No one except God, right? So I hope I've done justice to what he did for me. Um, a little prayer for you guys would be, I just pray you all keep turning. Keep moving closer to him in any way you can, no matter how small it seems. When you do that, you'll give him the ability to orchestrate a meeting with him like he did for me. Give him something to work with. Keep turning.